You don't have to come see the film, Dad. It's fine. I had no intention. Well, thanks a lot. What would your mother say? Well, nothing in a current state. Dom! Since the dawn of time, the collective data that ever was created could fit into this space. Now, that same amount of data is uploaded every 48 hours to the internet, including 72 hours of video being uploaded every minute. Um, I, there's a video of you here that's trending, but keeps redirecting me to- Don't open it! It's spam! A porn site. You knowingly joined the website. You willingly pointed the webcam at yourself. I employ you here at the network in children's programming. You're around children five days a week. There's now publicly accessible media of your erect penis circulating through the community. The network is flooded with complaints and I myself am getting bombarded. Oh, is it porn? Well, it's not children's programming. These days, people are so keen to put as much of themselves out there as possible that the, the law just can't protect them against themselves. These days, you only need to swallow detergent to be as vile as the clown. what did you do to get famous, Elliot? You achieved orgasm. Most people can't stand to hear their own voice being played back. So what's it like having a pornographic video of yourself out there? I don't want my friends and colleagues to see this! No, but you're happy for them to see the video. Since the rise of Christianity, male sexuality has been framed as being perverse and threatening, while women are generally sexualized to the point of objectivity. Social media is the worst modern invention from a mental health standpoint. Elliot Sinclair is just not some obscure man in society. Oh no. He is a children's entertainer, he is a father, he's a role model to children everywhere, and he has mucked up big time. Of course! Blinded by privilege. You're a straight, white, educated male over 30. Can't we have any secrets, Marcia? No quick so way. Where are you going to sulk? Now you're also showing the world you polishing your knob! As a thing with people leaving comments on adult websites, they've had a hit of dopamine, so they're usually pretty civil. I'm ashamed, ashamed to have to face what I have done. What have I done? That's the trailer for Public Eye. Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome to the first Cinema Australia podcast episode for 2022. My name is Matthew Eels. In this episode, I'm joined by Public Eye writer, producer, director, and lead actor Dave O'Hardy and his co-star British Flower. Public Eye follows Elliot Sinclair, played by Hardy in the film, He's a children's entertainer and actor whose social and moral standing is severely challenged when his personal life comes under scrutiny following the viral release of a very private video. Public Eye is one of those elusive and rare beasts when it comes to Australian films in that it's rated R. It's going to polarise audiences and generate a lot of conversation and opinions, which is always healthy. If you see the film, we'd love to know your thoughts on it, so drop us a line at cinemaaustralia at gmail.com. I'm a big fan of Davos because he's such a dedicated, determined and constantly active filmmaker, and I find it a genuine pleasure to interview him about his films. So much so that this is the second time Davo has appeared on the Cinema Australia podcast, the first ever filmmaker to guest twice. 
It was also a pleasure to have British along as they play a vital role in this film. Public Eye is Davo's fifth feature film following The Lars We Lead, Hunting for Shadows, A Silent Agreement with uh, Paul Mercurio, and The Blood of God, which starred Hardy's real-life partner Richard Littlehales. British Flower is a full-time actor, musician, dancer, artist, model and drag king. They started their career at a very young age in musical theatre, competitive dancing and commercial acting. It's impossible to discuss this film without mentioning certain scenes and themes, so please note that this interview does include some spoilers, one of them quite big actually. We also discuss strong sexual themes, so listener discretion is advised. Public Eye will screen every Saturday night at Palace Cinemas in Paddington, New South Wales from 7pm. A special Q&A screening of the film is also scheduled for February 19. A wide release of the film will be announced soon, so keep an eye on cinemaaustralia.com.au for more details about that. Anyway, enjoy. Davo, British, thank you for joining the Cinema Australia podcast. It's great to have you both with us. Pleasure to be here. So happy to be here. Thank you. Uh, Davo, it's worth mentioning that you're the first guest to appear twice on this podcast following our previous interview uh, about uh, the blood of God. So congratulations on that. You're the first person ever. Fantastic. That's a bit of a feather in my cap. (laughs) (laughs) It boils down to um, I'm just so busy making films all the time. (laughs) Yes, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, most filmmakers take, you know, five or six years to to make a film, but you seem to be churning one out every year. Despite the pandemic, yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's great. Hey, uh, I'm always thrilled to be chatting with you, Davo, because I-, I find you to be a fascinating filmmaker and your responses to my questions are always so insightful and intelligent. So thanks again for joining us. And uh, and British, uh, it's great to have you with us also. Uh, you play a vital role in this film and it's uh, the role is one that Davo uses to hammer home the final scenes of the film, uh, which we can talk about a bit later. Uh, Davo, I told you this following my viewing of Public Eye, but I'll say it again here. I think think this is your yeah. best film yet and uh, I want you to explain to our audience what this film is about in your own words because there's nothing quite like hearing it straight from a filmmaker's mouth. Sure um, well to have that piece of feedback as one of the first people who's outside of my immediate circle who has seen the film I was really setting the tone for what was to follow because um, given that it's a film which carries a big hard R18 rating and it's got um some content which is not suitable for a lot of people. Uh, I was very ambivalent about um, producing it, uh, releasing it and making it what it's become. But there's just a certain authenticity with the idea behind it. So the story is about um, Elliot, who is a children's entertainer, who uh, is looking at expanding his career into a more mainstream uh, field. And it's around this time that he's uh, offered a role which involves nudity and he um, talking to his family and friends about it and asking, you know, what, what are the pros and cons of doing this? And in just getting himself psyched up for it, he um, finds what it's like to actually be on camera naked, just sort of in his own bedroom, in his own privacy. But that video leaks out on the internet and it goes to everybody, all, all and sundry, and somewhat um, capsizes his career. So he's faced with this uh, what have I done moment, but also like, a well, I need to stand by this because it's people's opinions more than anything illegal, quote unquote. So the whole film kind of delves into the pros, cons, the people who are um, supporting him or 
trying to vilify him for his uh, behavior, while also making a social commentary about how much we put online as just a society. Yes, yes. So, so you mentioned the R rating there. Did you set out to make an R-rated film? Uh, not necessarily. I just, um, I think all my films to date have had a certain uh, amount of content in them. Mm. But I think making Public Eye, it was, um, it just sort of came out in the writing and I thought there are a number of ways I can shoot this um, and I want it to be as marketable and as tasteful and as watchful for as possible. But I'm also not someone who intrinsically um, uh, punches softly it's like, like if, if you're going to make a point make the point yes. so um when i was uh putting the film together and casting for it i was very much like let's let's not go in with a preconceived idea and just see what happens and when it was all cut together i thought i'm actually very happy with this and um if it carries an rating rating that's fine by me because it's not setting out to make a shocked expression on the audience it's um it's the artistic integrity of it that is earning it that rating. It is yes. um, very true to life and it's yes. very uh, graphic, but in the in the, the best possible way. Yes. Uh, British, tell us about your, uh, uh, your re- response to this script when you first read it. Um, when I first read the script, I mean, there were so many things about it that I really loved, whether that was like some parts of the story, the lines, you know, first readings are first reading. Um, but I just thought it was so well written and I just I just knew from, like, from then on, I, I just the idea of the film already um, had me so excited and then reading the script, um, I, I just knew this film was going to be something um, really, really special. Yeah. Uh, Davo, why did you want to explore these particular themes and, and this storyline? Um, I've read an audiobook, read the book, uh, of... <laughs> Uh, a performer named Joel Domus, who is a, a UK uh, comedian, he had a um, incident where he was catfished online, and a very similar video of him uh, on Skype was released on on the internet. Uh, go could it? And um, after reading his book about how he uh, went through that experience, I was like, "This would be a good, a good idea for a film." But what I did to sort of twist it was, I made my character Elliot well aware of what he was doing um and he he has this moment of like um you can see on his face uh he's he's like should i shouldn't i and then he shrugs and says okay sure and (laughs) i i think that's what's often missing uh in protagonists of films is people make mistakes quote unquote or they make decisions which um put them down one path or another and i think that's what makes it so relatable is it wasn't he was victimized and taken advantage of and tricked into something he was given the choice and he's like i choose this way mm. let's see what happens and there is a flow-on effect of consequences so i just thought that was a much more insightful way to tell the story than just um it being totally out of his hands so to speak Yes. Um, the film is so much more than, uh, you know, than the nude scenes and, and you know, the strong themes that, that, that are in this film. But I want to talk about that straight off the bat because it's sure. obviously going to be a big talking point once the film is released. 
Um, you know, we've spoken about it being rated R um, and there is a lot of nudity and sexual content uh, that's never hidden or implied. Um, <laughs> Dave, though, you have a few nude scenes in the film yourself and, and it got me wondering if uh, you're as confident a person in real life as you seem to be on screen because I know filmmakers can quite often have a different on-screen uh, persona than off. Um, that's an excellent idea. Uh, I would say that that's definitely open to interpretation. Um, I'm, I'm no less screwed up than any other person in the street. Uh, I've got my own insecurities and I've got my own baggage and I'm as messed up as anybody else out there. But um, I think I also make a point in the film that um, just given my, my background and my, my, my age and uh, my personality type, I'm probably at a, a a better place to do those kind of scenes and walk away feeling like I'm I'm in no way uh, exploited or anything. I feel like it, it is the artistic merit of it and it is legitimate, but other people might not feel that way about themselves and their bodies. So that is definitely a a um, plus that I've got as a performer. But I didn't set out to play the role of Elliot myself. I wrote it with. Um, the idea of having another actor in mind and I went through a very long casting process to find another Elliot and it was a mix of either um, actors who weren't comfortable with the content or when I approached actual porn actors they were either just too good looking mm. or, uh, or, or, or couldn't act um, with any nuance so it was down to the point of like well if you want something done right do it yourself. Why, why did you want uh, porn actors to be in this film? Uh, it just seemed like a thing to do. Um, uh, I wanted to um, not limit myself. I think um, self-imposed limitation is the poison to art. So I thought I'm going to see, see what I can uh, find, um, see who's out there and just cut, cast a wide net and see what I, I pull in. So I put the word out years ahead of actually making the film and met a lot of very keen performers um, because I just found that there was such a, a, a hard, I don't know, it, it, it's hard to approach an actor who you don't know and kind of feel out what their boundaries would be, what you can and can't ask them. Um, most of the actors who appear in public eye I've worked with before and so we have a good rapport going. Mm -hmm. But there's also quite a large chunk of the cast who are brand new to working with me and that was uh, quite confronting for us all. But um, we, all, we, we, all, we all came on board with the same intention so when I was lo looking for um the original Elliot I didn't discard the idea of having a porn actor just because I thought well who is the most comfortable person I can find with this sort of content and that's like another day at the office to them but at the same time they are very very good looking people and they know it and I didn't want Elliot to be um uh a, a poster boy I I rather like in the end that I played Elliot because I've got a bit of COVID chunk on me um, in those scenes. And I look like kind of the, the every man. But people who have seen the film are like, it's almost like you're trying to be a dilf or, um, or just a dad look. And I thought yes. that wasn't my intention, but it's great it comes across that way. Yeah, rocking the dad bod. <laughs> <laughs> it was all on purpose, I tell you. <laughs> hey, uh, British, I want to get to know you a bit more. This is your first uh, official feature film, right? Uh, how did you become involved in, in the film industry in general? Um, well, I've actually been acting and performing in general um, since I was young. So I started at a very young age and it's literally been my entire life. Like I did have somewhat 
a normal childhood. Not that I would know what normal is, but I've just always been doing something, whether it's musical theatre or competition dancing or so forth. Like it, it, it's changed a lot over the years. So it's gone from, you know, fun little stage things that, you know, anybody could always try doing. But, you know, as time went on, I went from just, you know, loving doing music and dancing to wanting to be more serious and do more acting work. Like, because musical theatre was a long ride for me. Like I did, I did so much musical theatre, but as time went on, I was really interested in doing some more screen work. And so when I moved from my hometown in the Blue Mountains to Sydney, which had more opportunities for screen work, um, I really worked hard and pursued as much as I could, like just getting any role I could. Um, but I'm very grateful and very privileged that along that journey, I've met so many amazing people um, like Davo, who has given me so many great opportunities in the film industries. Tell us a bit about some of the performances and, and the shows that you've been a part of. Is there anything that you can name and, and talk about? Well, yeah, um, back in my hometown, I did do a few short films. Some I made myself, which was really fun when I did some performing arts courses. Um, the musical theatre-wise, um, I was in Guys and Dolls. I was in The Wizard of Oz where I played the Wicked Witch and that was my my personally favourite role because I just got to let loose and actually scare quite a few of the people in the audience, which shows, I, you know, I did my job. That was the best part, you know. <laughs> um, um, other than that, I did Cinderella. Um, I did so many different... Um, there was always something different. A lot of the roles I did were dark roles, Um but other than that, um, yeah, that was that's to name a few. I mean, uh, I have my blank moments like now, but there's yes. a list. <laughs> uh, dark roles in some very wholesome sounding uh, productions like uh, Cinderella. <laughs> well, From- yeah, that was one of the, the non-dark roles. It was yes. different. But the funny thing is back then um, I was very, I, th- I find I'm more, I was more limited back then than I was now. So back then I was really only comfortable playing dark roles. And whenever I auditioned for a nice role, it was never easy. I would feel like I was acting, like overacting more than just like actually getting into the character. But as time's gone on, I've learned um, that I can be more than one thing. And so I've, I've gone to play so many different roles now. Yes. Um, uh, you mentioned the short films that you've made there. I've, I get a feeling that after, uh, after the release of Public Eye, people are going to want to know more about you and, and perhaps see some of your previous work. Is there anywhere uh, that people can watch any of those short films? Well, um, if anywhere, they would be on YouTube, as unoriginal as I may sound. They would, they're on my YouTube. Um, if they're not, I have, if they're, if they're really old ones that um, haven't been released in a long time, I'd probably be, me and the cast members that were part of those would probably be the only ones with copies um, yes. of those. But other than that, they'd literally just be on YouTube. Or if you really do some serious digging, they could be on other platforms because, you know, Things get shared around easily. Yes, that's right. Hey, uh, I will put a warning at the beginning of this episode that we do discuss uh, some spoilers here because I don't think uh, that you can have a genuine discussion about public art without uh, talking about one of the most uh, perhaps confronting scenes that happens towards the end of the film. Um, what were your first impressions of that particular scene in the script? Oh, well, my first impressions, I, I literally go by, my, I go off energy with everything. And when I was reading the script and I was looking at each and every character, just from what I was reading, um, my character, Francine Tucker, that's the one that, that really pulled me in the most. And like I said, how I've always had a thing for playing 
um, dark roles. You know, she's a children's entertainer with a dark secret. I liked that, you know, her character had a very, very bright side and, you know, could possibly also have some other little twists about her and about her life. Um, so honestly, as an actor, I'm up for any challenge that's thrown at me and reading the script and reading the things that Francine does as a character and who she is, I was honestly ready for anything. It was a step I was willing to take. Yes. Um, as, as I just mentioned, uh, you know, we will mention that uh, we are going to discuss spoilers. Um, every character in this film has an unkind side to them uh, and it's revealed at the end of the film that your character, British, is perhaps the most sinister of them all. Uh, when it's revealed that she's taking photos of the children who she works with and masturbates to them. I, I'd love to know the conversation that uh, that you and Davo had about this particular scene and how you were going to go about shooting it. I'll just answer by saying that um, we met because of our free hugs T-shirt. So before I even showed B the script, I was like, we have such a similar energy. Yeah. Um, and such an, a, a similar uh, view of our industry that um, I really just brought British in to read the script as an actor. Yeah. I wasn't actually in the casting stages yet. When I was casting for Public Eye, the important thing for me was uh, transparency and, and integrity. So I didn't want there to be any uh, surprises for the actors in the cast or crew. Uh, even when I was uh, looking for a cine and a sound guy and just people on the art department, I was very clear to everybody involved what the film was about, what would be involved. And I didn't want to have anyone on set who wasn't completely uh, informed. So by the time I should get around to properly casting it, there's already this, this energy involved behind the scenes where everyone was both nervous, but also really excited to uh, get the whole thing put together. And when I put the role of Francine in front of British, there was just this, this ease on, on British's face of uh, just, I've, I, I've never had a role this challenging for Davo, but I really want to give it a go because I've read the script. It's, it's, it's really confronting, really impactful, and it left me thinking a lot. Mm. And uh, it, it, it was probably um, when I was writing the role of Francine, I thought this is going to be the toughest one to, 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 to fill. But because B was there as just an actor to do the read-through, and when we closed the last page, just... I want to do this role. Can, yeah. I, can I do it? And I, I looked at British and thought, are, are you are you serious? You want to do the role of Francine? And they were like, I absolutely do. Can I do it? This is history. Yeah, I remember him asking me um, after the reading which role I liked the most. And there was a toss-up between a few for me, but def definitely like Francine was by far my favourite. And like Davo said, it was the hardest role to cast mm. Um, in his opinion. And so, I mean, that, that that intrigues me even more, of course, because <laughs> I just want to take on the biggest challenge there is. And if it's the character that's, you know, hard to cast, I thought, well, I'm definitely willing to take that on. And even throughout filming, you know, and just, just knowing what I'd have to do for some scenes in the film, um, I was aware I'd have to do. Um, but sometimes, you know, David would say, yeah, but, you know, are you sure you want to do this? Like, you, I want you to, but will you? I was like, yes, absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll do anything because I love this film. I love this role. So I'm all in. Oh, that's fantastic to hear. Um, did, did anyone, Davo, did anyone, you don't have to name any names, but did anyone turn down this role because of that particular scene? I wouldn't 
name names, but there were some actors who I approached for uh, other roles. Uh, there was only ever one Francine, but um, for, for, for other roles, not even ones that were that explicit, but just because of what the film itself kind of represents and stands for and contains. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, the, there's people of note in the industry who uh, are are um, coming from a history of doing films in the past, which were quite confronting. And I sent the scripts to them being like, like, cool, I will get some, some names in this film. Why not? That, that, that'll help. And I got this resounding, Davo, I, I, I can't do this film. It's too messed up for me. It's too, it's too confronting for me. And I just got that, that feedback with this incredulous, what? Mm. <laughs> um, so that was uh, quite an interesting way to start off production with uh with the sense of well i'll show you mm. um i'll make it as watchable as i can damn it <laughs> but um honestly i had such a broadcast from uh so many different backgrounds uh men women of all ages and and and, uh, and sizes and the the general consensus was what a brave film what an interesting premise what a honest depiction there are no sleight of hand there's no smoke and mirrors it's just this is real life and this is honesty yes. and people were so drawn to it from the very beginning it was actually really profound yeah um you you just mentioned the word brave there i, I feel like the words you know brave and bold are thrown around a lot in reviews and media when people talk about riskier films like this and and more often than not those words can be quite meaningless because they don't always meet up to the end result uh, would you describe yeah. yourself and and your filmmaking style as as being bold as being bold um i'd probably lean more towards unapologetic yes. um <laughs> I, I, I i've been in the film industry for a while now um well over 10 years and in that time i've been making a lot of films based on what my sensibilities and my values are. Mm. Um, one of my um, short films made almost 10 years ago was a film called Complex, which I also put for cinema Australia. It was a film about nudists. And that one to this day continues to just make a royalty check every quarter. It's just, it, some things just don't die. Yeah. And I thought, well, maybe I should lean into um, what what makes my work stand out from everyone else's work and that's what public eye is it's kind of that that, that amalgamation of um what people might think of a david hardy film as being uh but the fact that it's already in it, it, it's even pre premiere release and it's already going to festivals and getting selected and getting semi-final nominations that says a lot yes and i think uh if i'd had that knowledge prior to making it i wouldn't have gone in with this self-imposed trepidation i would have just said like this is what we are meant to be doing as artists as filmmakers as people who can make a entertainment medium but also challenge people to shift uh, their concepts uh shift their values and perhaps just uh look at what they might have avoided in the past and think no there's actually more to this than just smut yes yes um, that, that's a brilliant answer, Davo. <laughs> um, British, can you tell us about working with Davo as a filmmaker? Um, yes. Ever since I first met Davo, um, I've just had so much fun working with him. The first project I ever did, well, I was a part of a festival called Short and Sweet, 
and I was with a different cast for for um for that so I was in a different play than Deva was um but like you said before it was it was ironically one day after I had a friend um put me off from like wanting to give so many hugs because I've always been a person that loves hugs and I came to um performance that day and I didn't know Devo but when I met him he was wearing a free hug shirt and I just said can I have a hug and he he gave me a hug and I was dressed in full clown makeup so I found that this would be very accepting because a lot of people aren't fond of clowns um <laughs> but after that um he asked me if I wanted to be um, a small part, little like a little extra role in his play um, for Complex that was at the same um, event. And I ended up doing two shows and I was full frontal naked in front of everybody, including my parents, because <laughs> I literally woke up that morning giving a, I don't, I, I give, I give zero Fs what anybody thinks because I'm just going to do this. And I went all, all lengths for that. And so that was something I'd always wanted to do. And that was great. And I just really enjoyed getting to know Devo and work, working on that was so fun. And we stayed in touch after that and just getting to work with him on this film. He has been such an amazing director and in general, such an amazing person to work with and even um offset he is such a massive support he's such an amazing friend like I couldn't have thought of anyone better to work with on a feature film like this oh that's beautiful is, is Davo the director a different person to Davo the man oh he <laughs> <laughs> I mean Davo is just a legend he's literally such a great person altogether director or friend anything he's he's Davo and mm. He's amazing. Like, you're way too kind. Thank you. I'm speechless. There's no way to describe Davo. It's Davo Hardy, everyone. Oh like. my lord. <laughs> um, uh, uh, the, actually, before I go on to the next question, Davo, maybe you could talk a little bit uh, about working with British as, a, as an actor. Working with British, they are such a powerhouse of energy, as I'm sure this interview is bringing across. Um, it is such a rare gem to come across performers and actors who know their talent, know their, their stuff, can talk the lingo and know about hitting their spots and about their voice and their, their movement, but also just not have ego. When I think of some of the best actors I've worked with, I definitely put British in amongst that group there's just this great sense of ease, ease to work with. And no matter what challenges I throw at them, British always says, yeah, cool, what else? And it's that, that, that openness that just means that even before I've even written a film, I'm like, where can I include British in this? Because there are actors and there are real genuine talents. And uh, I think having had such a short period of time before making public eye to see that in British was uh, quite a gift because I would have been meeting them at an audition thinking, no, this is too good to be true. There's no way someone that experienced and that young could be up for this, this role. There's no way, but I was proven wrong. And that was uh, a great outcome in, indeed. Excellent. 
Hey, um, there are a lot of discussions in the media at the moment about intimacy uh, coordinators being used on on film sets to ensure uh, a comfortable shooting environment. Davo, can you tell us about some of the steps you took as a producer and director to ensure uh, all cast and crew felt comfortable on set? Yes. Um, well, again, from the very beginning, there's always the transparency and the honesty. Um, we uh, generally didn't need closed sets because we had a small crew to begin with. Mm -hmm. But um, again, because most of the actors and crew in the uh, production of Public Eye I've worked with in the past, they've seen my previous work, they've seen the making of my previous work when we did have uh, in the, the, the intimacy uh, coordinators. And by the time we came around to making Public Eye, they just sort of said to me like in private, like, I know that they're industry standard and necessary and whatnot, but I just, don't feel like I need one, if that's a thing. And I said, are you, I want that in writing from you because I don't want to be put in a position later on. And I said, no, no, it, it's it's you, Dave. It's, it, it, uh, you're a mate, you're you're someone who I trust and I would be more comfortable having just you there than the, the coordinator. I'm like, oh, oh, if, that's, if that's what you need, that's what you need. But when it came time to doing uh, my, uh, my scenes, it was, day one of a 26 day shoot and I couldn't have made it any later in the shoot because that footage keeps being brought up later on so it had to be basically day one mm -hmm. and the crew was all like sure I've done nudity before but I've never behaved sexually in front of my cast and crew before mm -hmm. so that was um just a okay everybody we're gonna be finishing uh, for lunch now going into these scenes just a debrief uh, this is what, what was coming up, and I just want everyone to be completely um, uh, aware of what we're, we're walking into. And the energy on set, as as bizarre as it was from the, the the fly on the wall point of view, it was actually very supportive because I think everyone knew what kind of pressure was on my shoulders to make this film and to perform those roles. That by the time we actually came to the shooting of it, it just felt like. Um, any other scene and that all came from not trying to pull people's eyes or try to lie them into submission it was just being upfront and honest from the very beginning yes um british you've made it very clear that you know you're you're quite open to to anything that davo asked but i'd love for you to add to this and 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 discuss it honestly it's it's literally just I, I just I just strive to do whatever I can in this world because you only have one life and I just I just want to live it up and take any opportunity I can. So when it comes to being in a film like this where there's so many twists and turns, you've got to be you it's just got to be prepared for anything pretty much. I mean, I just love a role that has good challenges. And so if any curveball's thrown at me, I will I will take it on. Like I I just I, I am a very, I've always been a very open and accepting person. So if I'm asked to do something which I normally wouldn't do, like, I mean, the worst someone could say is no, but with me, I'm just always willing to try anything as an actor because that's what it's all about. You've got to, as an actor, you have to be able to just do anything that you're asked to. You can't have limits. You definitely, like, everyone has their boundaries and limits from a personal perspective, but you know, you got to step out of the box every once in a while and pretty much as much as you can. So that's, I guess that's why, you know, I'm willing to, willing to try, willing to do absolutely anything so that I can look back and say, I, I did that. And I worked with that amazing person and that was such an amazing experience. And if I could, I'd do it all over again.
You're listening to the Cinema Australia podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud or cinemaaustralia.com.au. Um, uh, Davo, your real-life partner, Richard Littlehouse, is, is great in this film, um, oh, as, he, as he was in, in The Blood of God. He plays your son here. How did that casting choice... <laughs> How did that casting choice come about and, and what was it like for you both to act out a father-son relationship on screen? Very, very twisted. I want to just really, like, I'm sure people are going to be looking back at this film in in decades to come and just being curious as to how did that work? We 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 have such a good friendship, Richard and I, so we were, we always kind of joke about um, how, how we look together. Richard is only six years younger than me, but he is a good half a metre shorter than me. Yes. And similar to British, um, even in his mid to late 20s now, he could pass for a teenager. And that is such a gift that he's uh, slowly losing. But <laughs> but it was just, um, I, I guess, very similar to casting for Francine. I thought, well, I'm going to give Elliot a son um, who uh, has to deal with his dad being in the middle of this enormous uh, scandal, H- how that would affect a, a, a youth. And then... Um, because his character is a YouTuber wannabe, how that would somehow, somehow become fodder for his YouTube channel and how he would be getting the sympathy vote from that. And it, it became such a profound idea for a character. But I thought, even though children do, do appear in Public Eye, the film, their shooting days were very uh, easy, very short, very uh, apart from everything else. And even though their parents were given full disclosure, they weren't be seeing the finished film for many years to come. Mm. I needed to have someone who could at least pass for teenager to play uh, my son, essentially. And so I think it was actually quite early on in our relationship. I was telling Richard about this project that I was writing and he just from the very beginning was like, that sounds very confronting. I love it. Do it. Um, when I was giving that to people in the past, there would either be uh, hesitant they would be like oh is that really something you want to do or just uh, very broadly like okay you do that and, and, and then leave it at that but Richard was actually quite encouraging so when I came to asking him to do the role of Dominic um, again it was like British had said it was a, a nuanced role there was light and dark to it and I kind of don't know if the film would work without that character yes so yes. Um, asking him to play my son yeah it's a little bit strange I mean as how we got married almost a year prior to production so uh, it was a bit, bit strange um it, he doesn't call me daddy outside of the role um <laughs> but um I think that also just uh, un- underlines the fun that we had on set all of us making that that connection um and having those slide jokes to each other between takes where it's just like go grab your lover I mean your son for this role and just just that really helped to sort of lift the mood and keep us all amused because even though the film is 120 minutes long, th- there's 117 minutes of story and probably like three minutes of sexual content sprinkled throughout. Yes. But it was still very important to me to make the set of the film as engaged and as entertaining and amusing for people as possible, which is why I wrote the film in, in, in its entirety as essentially a comedy slash black comedy mm. to keep it um, palatable. Otherwise, it would just be a bit too much. 
Yes. Um, that's interesting then that you just mentioned, you know, there, there's three minutes of sexual content and, and a lot more story to it. Um, I feel like we are talking a lot about the, uh, you know, the nudity side of it. Uh, so, so let's talk yes. about the social media um, aspect sure. of it for a moment, um, because this film is essentially shouting from the rooftops that we shouldn't be so <laughs> willing to publicise, you know, every aspect of our lives from what yeah. we eat to lunch to, to photos of our children and our family. Um, exactly. uh, British, I might start with you here. Tell us about your own thoughts on on social media. Uh, what are your views on it? Well, social media has definitely been, it's it's become something crazy within the past few years. The positive side is it's a good business tool because it's yes. like we were asking before, well, how do I find all my projects? Well, what I should have said was just go to my social media. It's all there. Like besides <laughs> YouTube, it's all there. It's yeah. a great business tool. But other than that, I feel it has a real, it, it holds a, it holds something. I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but people share so much about their lives these days and each their own, no judgment. It's just social media, I find you never know where something can go. If you're going to post something, make sure, like the way I see it is if I'm about to post something, if you put this up, the whole world will be able to see it. Are you happy with the whole world seeing this? Mm -hmm. Okay, yes, I am. And if not, well, no, kind of keep that to myself because with social media, it's it's a great business tool. It's about It's a great way to interact with people. But I think you really need to be careful with what you post because once it's out there, it's out there. Mm-hmm. Funnily enough, you know, it's a big element in this film. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's, that's how I feel about it, honestly. It, it's, it's a great thing to have, um, but just use it wisely. You yeah. never know what could happen with it. Uh, you, you've got, uh, you know, 14,500 uh, followers on Instagram. Do you feel like you have to constantly be feeding those followers with, with content? There's definitely days when, um, you know, if, days, if, if, if say three days have gone by, I definitely ha- have a little pressure on myself where I feel like, oh, I should really put something up because, you know, people are going to start going like, God, this is getting boring. Like, yeah, I do always feel a little bit of pressure to constantly have something out there. But then again, it was only a few months ago when I was hardly on social media at all because of things going on in my personal life. And the pressure wasn't even there because I was too focused on what was going on in my personal life. I I didn't feel that pressure. It's not until I was in a better place again that I was like, all right, I got to keep putting stuff out there. Otherwise, you know, as a young person, especially you've, you've, we've been brought up with that expectation of, oh, if I don't put something up, people will unfollow me. Nobody will like me. But at the end of the day, it's like, as long as you're living your life, and living as your best authentic self and you're happy it doesn't matter what you post as, you know as long as long as you're happy and you're living your best life so i you know what i mean there's different yes. days like some days i feel pressure but other days I, i'm just like look just live yes. you don't need to tell everybody everything you're doing you don't need to upload something daily just be here just be present and you'll post something when you post something, <laughs> you know. It shouldn't be such a big deal. But, yeah, your followers yeah. always going to be there. Um, uh, yeah. Davo, tell us tell us about your thoughts. Very similar. Um, I very briefly uh, had a YouTube channel of my own. I thought right on the cusp of midnight 2020, I thought, cool, I'm going to start this year by starting a YouTube channel. It lasted about four months and died when COVID did um, <laughs> because uh, just everyone's focus kind of changed. Yes. But even in that four month period, I just was overwhelmed with this sense of, oh, I need to be uploading content all the time because I didn't have this prior to making the channel, but I I, I need to do it now. 
And as I pondered, like, what, what am I even doing this for? At the time, it started as a, a filmmaking exercise, but then it became something even more sinister, something even more um, a love of its own. Mm. I found um, with posting photos of your lunch, for example, there's this idea of if you don't post a photo about it, did you even have lunch? Yes. If you didn't... <laughs> If you don't post photos of your holiday, did you even go on a vacation? And then the public eye, if you don't film yourself masturbating, do you really masturbate? <laughs> so it was just, it was just this really um, profound, confronting sense of if we don't make our lives clear to an audience, are we really living one? And when making the story of public eye, I didn't want it to be too banged over the head of saying don't use social media it's evil i wanted to give both sides of the 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 the, the debate um and show that it's it, it's a, a useful tool but also it, it, it's how it's used and and what the intention of the usage is mm. so when we make public eye it is literally we're putting this footage of us out there for the world to see that's that goes about saying but it's the context of it, it's the delivery of it, and it's it's the uh, package as a whole, as the, the, the whole film in its entirety that we are putting out there. Though I have no doubt, because it's been done to my previous films, somebody's going to just cut out those those uh, small scenes, put them onto their own servers and, and put them out there, and we're aware of that. Yes. But that still kind of leans back into the point what we're making here is, even the best intentioned posts can be taken out of context and doctored and made to be something that they're not, which makes the poster uh, embarrassed or somehow ashamed, even though that wasn't their doing at all. So when making the film about a social topic, I thought, well, what better than what we make our online personas? Because my online persona is much more uh, put together than I am as a person. <laughs> I think I think that's, that, 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 that's I feel very, like that's uh, probably the case for most people. I'd say so, and and um, those of us who have that that that, that self um, awareness and that introspection and that awareness of ourselves as fallible human beings who aren't always right, who aren't always at our best, and don't need to put on any kind of fake persona, will get it because we even now that we're coming out of the, the pandemic, we've all put on a bit of chunk on our, our bellies. We've all uh, either tried and failed or tried and succeeded with doing a new uh, hobby over the last two years or so. But most of us are just going on as we always have, and that's okay to do as well. Mm. Um, so for both of you, has, has making this film made you, you know, second... Uh, uh, you know, think about uh, your social media usage when you go to post something. Is there is there ever a thought in the back of your mind that goes, "Hang on, if I post this, it'll contradict the message that we're trying to put across in in this film that we just spent so much time making." For me personally, public eye for me is done. I've kind of closed the door on it. It is what it is. Um, when I post something as Davo, uh, either um, something to do with my opinions or just my experience of life and my my interests that's an expression of me and I'm I'm the last person to tell people what to do say or think but I think that's 
often the uh, important thing to go into looking at anyone's social media with in mind is that this is a affection of them as an individual, not as society as a whole. So whatever I put out there, whether it's in the moment or with a lot of thought behind it, it's coming from a genuine place and a place of comfort at that time. But I think like most people, I've said things which I've ended up taking down, not because they're wrong or because they've been inflammatory, just because I don't think pepperoni is the best pizza anymore. Sorry, no. <laughs> um, we do change our opinions over time and we do as people grow and develop. But mm. to, to have those uh, snapshots there of our lives, be they um, the deeply intimate or just the very surface level uh, trivia, to have that there and to look back on it, we can actually measure our own growth as people or, or, or not. <laughs> we can we, we can also measure our own uh, shortcomings, and that's an important part of being human. Mm-hmm. Uh, British, is there anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I mean, um, for, for me, it's like I don't I don't post my personal life anymore. I only ever post um, my achievements with, of course, acting and music and just all the stuff that makes me the happiest, which is how I've kept it. Of course, what you've said, you know, it crosses one's mind every time you're going to post something, especially mm-hmm. if it's something out of the ordinary that you usually post, you know, something that's a little bit more risky, you know, it always crosses your mind. But for me, with pretty much everything nowadays with my life, I just, I'm just like with, with, of course, you know, exceptions, I, I just say to myself, look, whatever I post, whatever I put out there, it's always going to be something I'm proud of or something that makes me happy or just something I kind of want to express and put out there. This is who I am. This is my post. Like for me in general, these days, I'm just like, accept me as I am. I'm putting this out there. You know, if, if someone isn't going to accept that or accept that part of me or me in general, I'm just like, well, unfollow, you know, because everything I put up is it, it always, I always put up something that means something to me, whether it's a project or an achievement or even just a good moment in my life. Like if anything personal I've ever posted recently was on my story was a picture of me smiling, which you know, I was simply putting out a message saying, like, enjoy those happy days, you know, put that out there. Like, it, it just, a- anything I put out there, this is me, take it or leave it kind of thing. So, um, especially, like, the, the film, as it hasn't been released publicly yet, um, but it's, it's, it's happened now. It, it'll, it'll be something that will always be there and it's something I'll always post about because I'm really proud of it. Um, the next thing that I'm going to talk about uh, is, you know, it's been happening for a few years now in America, but I'm noticing it happening more and more in Australia and uh, Australian cinema at the moment, is that a lot of casting choices nowadays are made based on how many social media followers someone has. Um, I've, I've seen it so much this year. Um, it's so obvious and transparent that a particular person has been cast, you know, purely based on how many social media followers they have. How does that sit with you as an actor, British? Are you worried someone not having a strong social media following could, you know, could impact their career? Um, for me, the way I see actors, performers, artists in general, it doesn't matter how many followers you have. You've you've either got it or you don't. I I wouldn't cast so I personally wouldn't cast someone depending on how many followers they have. It might be an actor that doesn't even have social media and they're amazing. Like one of my biggest um, 
inspirations or influences actor-wise is Evergreen, and Evergreen doesn't have any social media accounts yet. She is one of the greatest actors in the world, in my opinion. She's done so many challenging roles like myself, hence why I'm inspired to take on large challenges. Um, so I'm, 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 fully, I'm fully aware that um, that is something people look for, um, and as I've been told, some agents do go straight to your social media judging, you know, how much of a public figure are you, how much stuff have you done, mm. Um, but it, for, for me, again, I'm just like, look, they either want me or they don't. This is, this is, I'm, I'm coming as myself. I've either got the role or I don't, you don't need to have millions of social media followers to become successful in the industry. You can come from anywhere. You can come from a small country town. You could come from like a really rich family. It doesn't matter. You, it, as long as you have that passion and you have that motivation to work hard and do what you love, that's all that matters. Yes. Uh, Dave, I'd love to hear your opinion on this. Because I'm definitely an independent filmmaker, I don't have the backing of the corporate Australian filmmaking bodies. I am able to see the filmmaking industry as a business and I can see why they do that. And I'm, I don't personally agree with it, but you know, I'm probably not the most popular person in the room most of the time. And that's okay by me. Um, uh, I'm living my best life, my, my truth, and doing what makes me happy. And it's ultimately becoming quite successful. So it works. But when I hear about people being cast because of their social media standing and the size of their following and how popular they are, I get it. I just don't agree with it. I don't follow it. And I think that's why there's such a division now in our industry of there's the, the uh, show business numbers count, the, the, the uh, how much of a, of a return can this make me mindset. And then there's the other side, which is in it for the, creativity and the connection to other people and um, the the chemistry between the personalities. These two things are seeming to happen parallel to each other. And I think that's why I personally don't have an agent at this time. I don't have a really big social media presence because I don't want to have one. I'm just keeping my head down doing my work and living my life. But it's also... If I had gotten really swept up in in the industry earlier on, I don't know if I would have kept a, a sense of myself or a sense of what really makes me tick because um, though most of my films do come from my heart, every now and then I've been pulled into a project that like it was it was just for project's sake or it was people telling me what I should be doing as opposed to what I felt I should be doing. And if ever you see a project with my name on it that looks like it's it's terrible, well, that's probably what, what, what it came from, was uh, me feeling like, like I need to be doing something to please other people as opposed to what is right for me. And that's why Public Eye, I'm so very proud of it because it never came from anyone else's uh, intention. It was just, from the very beginning, it was a passion project that I thought this needs to be handled just so. This needs to be... Uh, very carefully thought out and so carefully written that it can be, both be um, uh, amusing and engaging. It will uh, definitely 
appeal to people who just want to see bare flesh, but also people who want to have their, their intellect massaged a little bit as well. So when I'm looking at, on social media, I don't see a lot of intellect massaging. I don't see a lot of um, word porn anymore, but I do really notice that people are trying to be authentic through it all, which is good hope for the future. Um, I love interviewing you two. You both give such great answers. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've got uh, I've, I've I've got a few more questions here before we wrap up. Um, cool, cool. Uh, Davo, uh, bad luck banging or loony porn is out this week, and and that's a it's another film with a story similar to yours in that a school teacher's sex video is leaked online. Uh, are you going to see this film? Have Have you been keeping an eye on it and and how it's received by audiences? I've been keeping an eye on it because uh, I had no idea it existed until I released the trailer for Public Eye. Yeah. Um, I think maybe that's saying something about the zeitgeist right now. Uh, yeah. There seems to be a, a, a public knowledge, if you will, of um, what these films are trying to say. Uh, when it's made available, I will definitely go and see it because it, um, I, I'm curious from just the perception of how does this filmmaker take the same basic premise and work with it. Mm. Um, I think it's interesting that two people from different sides of the world can make the same premise in the same uh, 24, 12 month period. Mm. But um, I also have looked into what that film uh, is doing, how they've marketed it. And they've sort of leaned more into the the pornographic aspect. They even yes. used the word in the title. Yes. And with Public Eye, even from like the, the, the very inception of it i've always been leading it away from being taken as a porn film because it is so not a porn film yeah. um i was just sitting here with uh, british prior to the interview talking about the uh, films of harmony Korine, and uh i i, I had used uh, the film ken park as a indication of a quote mainstream film that was um given a release and uh, is shrouded in controversy but also if you pulled apart from its sexual content and its story content, how that measures up against public eye. And I walk away from that feeling, if I may say so, Larry Clark, feeling better about public eye. Yes. <laughs> um, it's, it, it, it's very easy to put people and what we do into a box, but to actually go and see these films, I think is the best way to make an informed decision. Mm. Um, British, what do you want aud- audiences to take away from this film? What's the one thing you want them to walk out of a cinema thinking? or feeling for one thing like what Davo just said just that it's it's more than just a film with you know sexual things in it it's it's so much more than that there's so much realty to it there's so much story to it the characters all have backstories if you look at the subtext you know you see a character like oh there's there's always more than that there's always more to the character than you think but the way um I'd want them to watch it first off with an open mind and I would want them, I, I just really would want them to receive it well because there is so much good in this film and the recognition it's already got, it, it, des- it deserves the world. And it's bloody hilarious. It is. Yes. Very. <laughs> it's very funny. It's, it's extremely well written and it certainly makes you think a lot. Um, uh, Davo and British, I want to I want to finish with a question that I ask all my guests, and uh, sometimes this this question question can backfire on me a bit. But um, I'd love to know: Do you both uh, keep up to date with Australian films, and have you seen anything lately that's caught your eye? I think in my last interview with you, because this is my second time doing it, <laughs> uh, I mentioned um, that I'd put 
a silent agreement out in 2017, 2018, at the same time as uh, Hounds of Love. Yes. And that is an, another film which was uh, confronting and bold and brazen and is standing the test of time. Since that interview, I've I've connected with uh, Ben Young, and it's it, it's really nice to across the industry to connect with people who have um, a similar sensibility. So I take my hat off to him, and I say, like, if any film is going to knock mine out of the running for an award, I'm glad it was his. Yes. <laughs> um, British, have you seen anything recently? Um, I've seen a lot of new films recently. Um, when it comes to Australian film, I definitely think that there's a lot more I should be keeping up with than already because, I mean, growing up, yes, Australians, I did grow up with Australian TV, but I mainly grew up watching British and American movies, so that's had had been most of my life with films. But these days, being a very open-minded person, I've watched so many different things. And recently, um, a lot, a, a, a weird variety, a weird variety of different films, some Australian things, some Australian TV, um, but... Now that I've been reading more on Cinema Australia, um, I've definitely uh, there's definitely a lot more I'm going to look into and watch because um, there's always somewhere we can, where you can find it. I, I tend I find like the good old whether it's a good old YouTube search or Safari search, whatever it is, I could just look up Australian films and see whatever pops up, whatever grabs my attention, and I'll just watch anything. And little do you know, you find a masterpiece and all that bunch that you're just like, I can't believe I never saw that. Like you know, and then you look for more, and you just it just it just widens. So. Yeah, I guess we might as well finish, uh, you know, by by you two giving yourselves a plug and and talking about what you've got coming up next. Uh, Dave, I've got no doubt that you're already working on your next film and and possibly your next three or four films. And uh, <laughs> British, I believe you've got a few projects in production. Is there anything you want to mention in particular? Um, well, I actually just had a my my, my first magazine. I call it my magazine debut as a young adult. Um, I have a four-page section in Marion Magazine where I'm literally just, I've been interviewed talking about myself as an artist. There's some really beautiful photos in there. Um, and other than that, there's a film I was working on this year called Station the Movie, and in that movie I play three roles, one as an extra since that's how I discovered the project. After that, I was asked back by the director to do two more roles, and both of those roles I'm in drag, and wow. that is another whole story part of my life. but. Um, my drag persona got to do two roles in that film. So that'll be coming out next year sometime. And I'll soon be filming um, probably my first ever proper love role in a short film coming up, um, which I won't say too much, but my role has, like this role, a backstory. She has challenges and she has a secret that you'll find towards the end. So it's going to be a real challenge. I haven't done too many romance roles, um, but that's what's coming up so far. I've got that movie. I've got that short film. And then a few other films, which I've already been working on, one called Alone with the Darkest of Minds. That's also coming out next year. So there's always something. I'll, I'll always be floating around somewhere. Just stay tuned. <laughs> that's great to hear. Great. Uh, Davo? I'm working on my next project. There's always one after the other. That's how they get uh, turned out so fast. Um, <laughs> uh, and I'd say that the the reception that Public Eye has received already, even prior to its major release, has been such a kick up the bum for me because it's showing 
a lot of support and a lot of encouragement and belonging in the industry, which is so hard to find for uh, up-and-coming artists. But thankfully, um, Public Eye is being so well-received that we will be screening every Saturday in January 2022 at the Chevelle Cinema or the Palace Chevelle Cinema uh, on Oxford Street there. Uh, oh, that's that'll fantastic. Be at, yeah. <laughs> that will be at 7pm uh, every Saturday night and uh, the tickets will be made uh, available on Eventbrite and I would hope linked through Cinema Australia. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, uh, folks, uh, keep an, do keep an eye on Cinema Australia uh, for more information about uh, Public Eye um, at the beginning of next year. Um, Davo and British, it's been an absolute thrill to chat with you both. I've, I've enjoyed it immensely and and I thank you both for y- your insightful answers and, and sharing your stories with us. So thanks again for joining the Cinema Australia podcast. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure and, and take care. Thank you for listening to the Cinema Australia podcast. You can keep up to date with all the latest Australian film news, reviews, features and interviews at cinemaaustralia.com.au.